Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Well, let's get into the message today. We've been talking about building the church. So if you've got your Bibles today, we love the Word of God here at the Rhodes Church. We get a little pumped when we open them up. So if you've got them, open them up to Mark chapter 7. Woo! Mark chapter 7. Switching it up a little bit on the order from what I did in the first service, but we have skilled people in the production room that can stay up with me. Mark chapter 7. I'm just going to pray over the word quickly. Lord Jesus, thank you. Come, help me. Anoint me to do what you want done, that your words are spoken, Lord. I yield to you. I surrender to you. Bring it alive, Lord. Bring it alive for the glory of Jesus. Amen. All right, we've been talking about building his church and how Jesus wanted to build his church according to the Bible. And this season of gift giving is important, right? Christmas time, giving of gifts. Today we're going to talk about the importance of the gift that Jesus wants to give all of us. How important that gift is and will we receive it? See, a gift can be offered, but his gift doesn't have to be taken. I can try and give you a gift, but if you don't want that gift, you can say no thank you. That's the the whole concept of a gift. It's free to us. Someone wants to give it to us, that's great, but we've got to receive it. So I want to talk about an important gift that we've been talking about here the last couple weeks, and that being the Holy Spirit. But I want to start with Mark 7, because it's important for us to make sure and lay the foundation that everything we believe needs to be based on what the Bible says, not according to what our doctrine says, not according to what Chad says, not according to what we say as a church. This is not our church beliefs. We don't want to have any church beliefs that don't line up with the Bible. There's no point. So we're going to talk about some things that may be new to some of us, but if, as long as it's in the Bible, that needs to be our basis. So in Mark chapter 7, can I take a second to do something real quick? This is totally off the record, and this friend of mine may really not be happy with me for doing this, but I've been, I've been seeing him the last couple of weeks and I wanted to do this. A few years ago, we made a strive, we wanted to have an officer at our services for security. We'd never done that before. I don't know how long ago it was. And we, we asked, and our sheriff at the time, Doug Meyer, and uh, his, his deputy, Craig Poole, were the first ones to come and help us and be officers here. And Craig has retired, and he's not, he did not, he doesn't want me to do this. But I just want to honor Craig for being a part of that. I love you, buddy. God bless you. Thank you, Craig. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Oh. You can thank me later, bud. (laughs) But we're grateful. We have officers in Mount Carmel that show up every week. We're grateful for them. And so, man, I just want to give honor where honors due. Mark chapter 7, verse 6. He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me. Here's the important part. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Doctrines are things that we should build on. Philos- or not philosophical, sorry. Biblical 
concepts, structures that we should build on. And there, Jesus is addressing, it's in the red, Jesus is saying, the problem is you're teaching as doctrines, biblical foundations to build on things that are commandments of men. In other words, they're not things that I told you. Those are things that you came up with and you're making people follow your commandments that I didn't give them. And this is what happened. He's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and these were the church leaders who came up with a bunch of laws, over 600 laws that people had to follow that Jesus did not give them. I mean, it was when the church is left up to its own devices, we can come up with a lot of rituals. We like us some tradition. Verse 8, for laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men. The washing of pitchers and cups and many other things, other such things you do. He said to them, all too well you reject, it's important, or set aside the commandment of God that you may keep or hold your tradition. And this is what happens. And when I'm teaching on what I'm teaching on today, and I haven't done it in, in a few years to this detail, uh, some of our our teachings on the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking tongues, most of them are on what they used to call CDs. We don't have those in your cars today, but I haven't done one that we've had since we went strictly to YouTube in many, many years. And so I wanted to go back into this because as our church family has grown, as our new locations, people have not heard about baptism and Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, what it is from a biblical uh, basis. And so this is why we wanted to say we don't want to hold to traditions of men. Well, I've never been taught that, or, or, and it's not an insult against your religious experience or tradition. It's not a, a slight against what you've known up to this point. This is just breaking down what the Bible says and make sure we hold to the commandment of God and we lay aside the tradition of man instead of the opposite. And what happens in church too many times, we want to hold on to our tradition so much that we will actually lay aside what the Bible says to hold on to what we're comfortable with. And this is what the Bible is telling us. He gives us a warning. Don't do that. Even if something comes that is totally brand new to you, hold on to the commandment of God and be willing to let go of the teaching of men. Letting go of the teaching of men may be letting go of something I've been raised up in my whole life. It may be something I've been taught in my, my, my church family, uh, my, my family church. From my whole, it doesn't matter. The name on the door doesn't matter. Following the Bible is what matters. So what we're talking about today is not a, we're better than any other church. That's not the purpose of it. The purpose is, what does the Bible teach for every church, every follower of Jesus? And that's why I wanted to start in that Mark 7, that we don't want to lay aside the commandments of God. We want to hold on to the commandments of God and lay aside traditions of men. We good? All right, let's go into that. Let's go to Luke 24. I'm just going to read these quickly just for a catch-up. Real quickly. Ready? Luke 24, 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem or wait until you're endued with power from on high. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem, disciples, because you need to be endued with power from on high. There's something I want to give you. There's a gift I want to give you. You're going to have to wait for it, okay? Do you see that? What's going to, what are you going to be endued with from on high? You're going to be endued with power. Notice what it's called, the promise of my Father. Remember that. Go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. All these notes are available in the Version Bible app. 
You can get them there. Please take note of them. Go home, study them, look at them. Acts chapter 1, verse 4, being assembled together with them, Jesus again is speaking. He commanded them, he commanded them, commanded them, that's strong, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. There's the word again, the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. In other words, I've already told you about this. This is something I've talked to you about before, but I'm telling you again, wait for the promise. I've got something I want to give you. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He's wanting to give them something they currently don't have. Okay? I'm wanting to baptize you with the Holy Spirit because you evidently currently are not. That's what the Bible's telling us. There's a difference. And whatever you've experienced up to now, disciples, what I've given to you in John chapter 20, I breathed on you and I said, receive Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's there. He, he touched their life. He works in their life. He regenerates our spirit. When we get born again, there's a work of Holy Spirit involved in our life. Absolutely. But in addition to that, there is a baptism in Holy Spirit that Jesus said, I want to give you as well. Verse 8, but you shall receive power. There it is again, same as it was in Luke 24. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Remember that phrasing, come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. Now go to Acts chapter 2. So this baptism with Holy Spirit that he's commanding them to wait on is different from what he did in John chapter 20, or he wouldn't tell them to wait on it. They weren't upset about it. They didn't get offended about it. They, did, they just said, okay, what is this thing that you're wanting us to wait on? And that's what we have to do. We have to see what it is. We talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit in, in all four of the Gospels. I don't want to go into detail on that. We, that's a couple weeks ago. You can pick up on that. Let's look in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. How many were in the upper room? We talked about this, verse 15 of chapter 1 says there were about 120. So that's more than just the original 12 disciples, right? 120, remember, 120 people in this room. It filled the house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues or individual flames as of fire, and one set upon each of them, each of them, 120 individual encounters with Holy Spirit. Not one generic corporate, but individual encounters with Holy Spirit. Set upon each of them, and they were all filled. How many were filled? All. How many specifically? That's 120 people were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So look what happened. 120 people in the room. Holy Spirit comes. Jesus said, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And it wasn't, not any, uh, it wasn't that many days from then. Holy Spirit comes. 120 people in the room. And he baptizes all of them in Holy Spirit. They're all filled. All of them. Notice Jesus didn't say, this is for some of you, but it may not be for others. That's not what he said. They were all filled. How many? All. all. So is Holy Spirit for everyone? Yes. It was in the beginning. If it was in the beginning, then is it today? Here's the problem. It's been taught that, well, that was for then, but now it's not for everybody. That's not true. 
Because there's no place in the Bible where Jesus said, I want you to experience Holy Spirit, but not you. I want to baptize you in Holy Spirit, but not you. We've said that, but the Bible's not said that. We've been selective and said, listen, now that's not for everybody. Show me in the Bible because we let go of the traditions of men and we hold to the commandments of God. So they're all filled with Holy Spirit. Are we with me so far? All right, let's go to verse 36. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Therefore, that let all the house of Israel know surely that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What are we supposed to do now? We've heard this message. We've heard about Jesus being the Messiah. We've heard that he was the one crucified for our sins. What are we supposed to do with this information that you've just given us? Peter said, here's what you do with it. Number one, you've got to repent. You've got to be born again. You've got to change the way you think. You've got to become a son or daughter of Jesus Christ by repenting of sin giving your life to him, giving your, your belief, your faith to him. Secondly, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And thirdly, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, talking about all the people. Now we're not just talking about the 120. We're talking about all the people that listen, we'll find out later that there were 3,000 souls were added into the kingdom. So now we're not talking about the original 12. We're not even talking about 120. Here's another additional 3,000 people that Peter's talking about. Said the promise. What was the promise? In Luke 24 and in Acts chapter 1, the promise was tied to the Holy Spirit. So let the Bible explain itself. So he says this promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So everyone who God calls, the promise is for them. Everyone who comes to know Jesus, the promise is for them too. It's like, well, I, I don't know if that's for me. I'm not part of one of those type of churches. Every church needs to offer the promise. You don't have to change your name. I don't care about that. That doesn't matter to me. Every church, Catholic church, Baptist church, Methodist church, Presbyterian church, Episcopalian church, Church of Christ, whichever church it is, all of them need to offer the promise of Holy Spirit. Because it's in the Bible. It's not a doctrine thing. It's not a denomination thing. We've got to get over that. So he said, it's to all of you. And he says, repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the problem. We read that, and we say, okay, all right, here's the order. Here's what we do as humans. We love us some tradition. All right, I've got to repent. All right, then I've got to be water baptized, and then I can get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Be careful. Be careful. God loves to shake up our little comfort zones. You know, just when I think I've got him figured out, I'm like, okay, Lord, this is what you do. I pray this way. I lay my hands on this. Boom, this is what happened. Not today. I'm like, what do you mean, not today? I don't want to do it that way today. I want to, the only requirement we have to be born again is to repent and believe Jesus Christ. Believing is the only requirement to being born again. So after that, the next two that he talks about, being water baptized, very important, we'll talk about that, and receiving the gift of Holy Spirit, there is no order on those. Let me give you some examples. Let's go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. Remember... We hold to the commandments of God, and we let go of the tradition of men. 
even if the tradition of men makes me think that grandma and grandpa weren't right. I had to do that. I've said that, told this, I was not raised in this. I'm not from a long line of tongue talkers. There's no line in my family. I was 18, 19 years old when the first person in my family, my stepmom was the first one to receive baptism in the Holy Spirit. Dad snuck right in right after. Then I was after. After. I had some skeptical thoughts. So I'm, I'm just saying, I'm coming up, I had to study the word to get where I'm able to open my heart and receive this. So again, Acts chapter 8. Therefore, those who were scattered, this is just after Saul was persecuting the church. We just had Stephen was martyred in chapter 7. So then those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Preached Christ to them is an important phrase. Preaching Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Preaching Christ is Christ being the anointed one or the Messiah. So we don't think much about that in, in modern world, but to the Jewish people, to preach that Jesus the, of Nazareth, the son of Mary, was the Messiah or the Christ was a big deal. So when he began to preach that the Messiah, because every Jew believed in the Messiah, they just believed that he was coming. And, and Judaism still believes that he's coming. But, but he began to preach, Philip began to preach that, no, no, Jesus was the Messiah. He died for us and he rose from the dead. So when he preached Christ to them, it was a cutting message to the Jews that rejected Jesus as the Messiah. But look what happened, verse 6. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. I can imagine. But look what happened. He's preaching Christ. This is why we need power of Holy Spirit. Preaching Christ. Very, very important. But look what also accompanied this, because Philip was one of them in the upper room. Philip was one of the 120. So what did he receive when the Holy Spirit came upon him? Power. Look what happened. The power that in verse 6 caused miracles to happen, caused unclean spirits with a loud voice to come out. It, with people that were possessed, many were paralyzed and lame, were healed. This is why we need the power of the Holy Spirit for miracles, for deliverance, for healings to happen through us. This is what he wants to do through us. But we can't do it of ourselves. We need the power of Holy Spirit. So this is why we need to receive the gift that he has for us. Now jump down to verse um, Verse 12, verse 12. So this is talking about the people at Samaria that he preached Christ to, okay? They heeded the things that are spoken. Look at verse 12. But when they believed Philip, underline the word believed. They believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God. So they believed the word of God, the, king, the words about the kingdom of God, and believed on the name of Jesus Christ. Both men and women were baptized. Hold on. So we have people that heard the word, believed the word, and were water baptized. Are they currently believers or followers of Jesus? Yes. 
let's let the Bible tell us. Let's let the Bible determine what things are before we come up with our own definition. Well, I don't think they were Christians yet. Well, let's see what the Bible says. In Mark chapter 16, verse 16, it says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Quick touching on a doctrinal issue. The first part of this verse is sometimes quoted. People say, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. There you go, Chad. You have, to be, you have to believe and be water baptized before you're saved. Read the rest of the verse. But he who does not believe will be condemned. He who believes and is baptized is saved. Absolutely. But next tells us what's going to disqualify us from salvation. It's not not being baptized. What's going to disqualify us for salvation is not believing. See the difference? Believing and baptizing, what are you? If, if I believe and I'm water baptized, am I saved according to that scripture? Yes. So when these people in that Philip preached to in Samaria says they believed and men and women were baptized, are they saved? You can figure that out for yourself, I guess. Scripture. This is the things that I had to do. I had to read these. I had to study these. I'm like, well, maybe they weren't saved yet. Well, According to Mark 16, 16, they're saved because they believed and they were water baptized. Then Simon himself also believed and was baptized. And he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. Look at verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem, all right, the apostles, Peter, James, John, Matthew, the original 12, uh, 11 at this point, walking with Jesus. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now hold on, so here's what happened. S revival breaks out in Samaria, they hear the word of God, they believe and they get water baptized. And they're sending word back to Jerusalem, back to headquarters, saying, hey, people are getting saved in Samaria. People are giving their lives to Jesus. It, it's amazing what's happening. Miracles are taking place. Signs and wonders of people paralyzed and all the demons coming out. This is amazing. So what did they do? Well, it looks like they sent Peter and John. Verse 15. Who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, hold on. If they were already Christians, believed and were water baptized... Why are they sending Peter and John for them to receive Holy Spirit? Because there's a difference in what I do when I receive Holy Spirit being born again and being baptized and the Holy Spirit coming upon me in power. People may not believe that, but Peter and John believe that. And I'm going to roll with Peter and John. Jesus said, John baptized with water under repentance. That's great, but I want to baptize you with Holy Spirit. So the Bible's teaching us there's a distinct difference between what happens when you believe and you receive Jesus versus the Holy Spirit coming upon him. Verse 15, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So being baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus is good, believing is good, but the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon any of them. So if the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon any of them, even though Philip preached to them, and Philip was filled with the Holy Spirit, miracles and signs and wonders, Philip was in the upper room, so it wasn't because they didn't teach them. It was for whatever reason here they sent Peter and John, because Peter and John knew the importance of receiving the gift of Holy Spirit. 
This is what's hurt the church when we water it down and we say all that matters is going to heaven. Now get saved and go on out there. And so because we were worried about walking through the dynamics of receiving Holy Spirit, people in the church begin to think that's weird. That's for those churches. That's for different, maybe six months down the road after classes, through weeks of Wednesday night teaching, when you get born again, Peter and John said, wait a minute. If those people are getting saved, they need what we got. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. Philip, don't let them leave until they get the power of Holy Spirit. They need power in their lives. They don't just need their ticket punched to get into heaven. That's great. They need to get born again. But they need power along with that. That's what Peter and John said. So they prayed for them that Holy Spirit would come upon them. Verse 17, then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now let's go to Acts chapter 10. I'll give you another couple examples. Acts chapter 10. This is where Peter has the vision of the unclean animals coming down. And Cornelius was a man uh, in Caesarea, sorry, and he began to desire more of God. He was a good, godly man, but he desired more. And so God told him to uh, call Peter and have Simon come to his house. And so uh, let's just jump through that. The whole story is good. Read, read that whole story, chapter 10, at your leisure. Uh, look at verse, I'm going to jump all the way to verse 38. Peter starts preaching in verse 34. Uh, let me just start with 34. Sure, why not? Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Woo, that was a revelation to Peter because he showed partiality between Gentiles. In other words, Gentiles, you're over here. Jews, we're a little bit higher. We need to realize that God shows no partiality. Whatever your name on the door, denomination you're from, God shows no partiality. He wants whosoever to receive the gift of Holy Spirit. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Where do we get peace between us and God? It's through Jesus Christ. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are all witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us. So God revealed Jesus to over 500 people that he revealed himself to, Acts tells us this, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Not before he rose from the dead, but afterwards we ate and drank with Jesus. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who is ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever, everybody say whoever, whoever believes, believes in him will receive remission of sins, forgiveness of sins. So Peter's preaching this message. He is going to town. He's got the Hammond V5 organ playing in the background. Dun, dun, dun. He is going out and laying it down. Verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, 
the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Time out. Where's the order? Jesus just jacks up our tradition right here. Because we should have a formal altar call where they come down and pray a prayer that we lead. I'm coming for some tradition. That we lead, give them the words to say, say it just like I say it. And then after they do that, then we need to get them water baptized. And then after that, we tell them to come to a class and we'll teach you about the Holy Spirit. And eventually, after you get full understanding, then you can receive Holy Spirit. And maybe you'll speak in tongues, maybe you don't. Look what happened here. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Fell upon, same language. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter. What's that talking about? That means everybody who came with Peter to Cornelius' house, he brought people with him. They were all astonished. Why were they astonished? Because the gift, we talked about that, the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, Gentiles also? Verse 46. For or because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The Gentiles are speaking in tongues. And they're doing it out of order. They're not supposed to do it yet. Don't they know protocol? Peter hasn't even given an altar call yet. The power of God's not waiting on our formalities. We can't be married to our traditions and get so caught up in the way we want it to play out. We just need to let him come and do what he wants to do. Jesus, if you want to save them and fill them with the Holy Spirit all at once, knock yourself out. I may not, if we get so caught up in how it has to be, we just need to say, come and encounter the gift that Jesus wants to give you. Salvation, baptism, and Holy Spirit. There is no distinct language that tells me when happened which, but in this case, it all seemed to happen when they believed, boom, Peter preaches and he says, hey, whoever believes in him will receive. Wait a minute, I believe God can know what's going on in your heart when no one else knows. This is why some in a line will receive and God will zap them and man, it'll be powerful and the next person, something may not happen at all because God knows what's going on in heart when I don't know what's going on. I've prayed for people and they're like, whoa, man, that was powerful. Pray for the next one. I'm a little pumped up now. All right, let's go. Nothing. I don't know why, I don't, some may be on my end, there. I don't know, I'm not looking for blame. I'm just saying we get so caught up in what's happening on the outside. We don't know what was happening on the inside, but God does. God heard faith, and he said they believed. I'm going to give them the gift of the Holy Spirit. They heard them begin to speak in tongues. So now Peter's got to explain this to the people at Jerusalem, because this is totally out of protocol. One, that Gentiles are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now they're speaking in tongues before they're even water baptized. Look, he says in verse 47, Can anyone forbid, forbid, anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who received the Holy Spirit just as we have? How did they receive it? Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit came upon them. They began to speak in tongues. They, the Gentiles, received it just as they did. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord that they asked, and then they asked him to stay a few days. Hurry up and get them in the water so we have some sort of order about this. 
I'm just kidding. So it's good. It's good to be water baptized. He said we need to get them in the water. We need to get them baptized. Now look chapter 11 and go to verse uh, 14. He begins to tell them about what happened. He, he went back to Jerusalem to the apostles to explain what happened to the Gentiles. And who will tell you words by which you and your whole household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Guys, you wouldn't believe it. I'm telling you, I was just preaching about Jesus. And all, the, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to fell upon them while I was speaking. As upon us at the beginning. How did it fall upon them in the beginning? Acts chapter 2 tells us. We don't have to guess what he's talking about. We know what he's talking about. He's talking about when the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit fell upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with tongues. Then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's saying these Gentiles just got baptized in the Holy Spirit just like Jesus said they would. If therefore God gave the same gift, gift, baptism of Holy Spirit is a gift. It's a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to, have to beg for it. It's a gift. He wants to give it. As he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? When they heard these things, they became silent and they glorified God, saying, then God has also granted the Gentiles repentance to life. Last one, go to Acts 19. And then we're going to offer a gift. We're going to let God confirm the word with signs following. Acts 19, look at verse 1. When you're there, say amen. amen. Acts 19. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul passed through the upper regions and came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. What are disciples? Disciples are followers of Jesus. Are these Christians? Well, the word disciple would tell us that they were Christians, but let's read on more in case that doesn't work for some people. They think, well, I still don't believe they were Christians yet. Okay, then verse 2, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What is the requirement to be born again? Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe. So they believed. So he, Paul asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. We don't go to one of those churches. We've not heard a sermon on that. This was me. I would have answered the question the exact same way. Someone asked me one time, said, have you, have you received the Holy Spirit? I said, absolutely. I got born again when I was seven years old. Yeah, but have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. What I found most of the times, what, what I did, and I'll just speak for myself, I took the message of baptism in the Holy Spirit like I had to be defensive of what I already had. Like someone was accusing me of not being saved. And that's not what it is. It's not trying to discredit your experience with Jesus and what the Holy Spirit did in causing us to be born again. Don't get threatened by that. Get encouraged by the gift that God wants to give you beyond that. Not that what we had is not enough, but Jesus said, wait for the promise. He's the one who said, there's more I want to do in our life. And so he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? We said, we're not so much heard where there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, well, then into what were you baptized, man? What doctrine are you under? What have you been taught? And they said, well, we're into John's baptism. So then Paul knew where they were. He located him. He's like, okay, I get you. John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Check, that is a good message. 
sound doctrine. That's wonderful. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. Well, here's 12 more. We had the 120 in the upper room. Then we had some more with Philip and high priest in Samaria. We had the 3,000 that Peter was preaching to in Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 38. And now we, now we have more people here. We have 12 more. We had Cornelius' house and all those people. You can't forget those. And he went in the synagogue and bold, spoke boldly. But look what happens when he laid hand on, hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Here's what I felt like God was wanting to do. Lay a groundwork, a biblical groundwork, for us to receive the gift that Jesus has for us. Now, again, people can make, this is not my doctrine. This is not our thing at the Rhodes Church. We're not trying to get you to become us. All I'm doing is teaching what the Bible says because Holy Spirit is a gift from Jesus. He wants to empower all of us. I need more power in my life. This is not something I checked a box off in 1997 and now I'm good for the rest of my life. I want more power from Holy Spirit. So it's an invitation to all of us to receive more of what Jesus wants to give us. We don't have to be scared. The Bible tells us if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask. He's a gift. Anybody like getting gifts? Or to give all of your presents back to whoever bought them for you because you don't want gifts? But we love getting gifts. Maybe you love giving gifts. Jesus loves giving gifts. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.